you can find success in all aspects of your life. But I will tell you this. If you are not organized, you will have to work 100 hours a week to hit the same amount of output as someone that is organized working 40. So there is a work smarter and a work harder. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful personally and professionally. Now, we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions, and all you have to do is fill them. So, Ron, today we're going to be talking about organization. And this is a key aspect to some of the science of selling and how you're able to be effective and how you're able to sell as much as possible, build as much pipeline as possible. And, you know, it's interesting, when I was going to college and I was getting into my career, one of the things I would hear is that there's these college degrees you get that are not of value. They're useless degrees. People would say, oh yeah, you know, you got degree in German polka history, (laughs) whatever, whatever it is. And one of those was economics. People would say, they would say, And um, I actually ended up getting a degree in economics, which is basically calculus. And one of the things that I learned about it that I think is incredible in terms of power, it's incredible, is that when you talk about math, when you talk about science, when you talk about the dynamics of sales, it's not just the actual numbers. It's also the art associated to it. It incorporates human behavior, not just math. And human behavior is a huge aspect that you have to consider. And that's actually what economics does. It helps you to think beyond just the math and it takes it further into the more complex equation. And that's what we're going to talk about is the complex equation. So Ron, there's this concept that sales is a numbers game. You've heard this? Yep. Heard it for sure. And we we love these cliches, right? I love (laughs) cliches because I like to break them down and, and help you understand. But a lot of times you use these cliches in sales. Hey, it's a numbers game. You know, a little bit more effort, you get a little more output, which is true. Yeah, it's true. To a degree. But to a degree, but it leads to what what I would call the numbers game fallacy, which is that it's too simple of an equation, right? We have to kind of expand it. And And what that numbers game fallacy is, is that you can apply a tremendous amount of effort towards something and not get the same kind of output somebody else may or, or the result you're looking for. So, Ron, I just have this, this question. Have you ever worked with a skilled salesperson or sales developer that's good? They know how to communicate. They know how to talk. They know how to sell. They have all the right art. Okay. And then they put also the effort. So they've got skill and they're throwing tons of effort into it and still failed. Have you ever seen this? before? 100%. I've actually seen it quite a few times. Um, and early on in my career, it was a huge concern and question for me. Because when I first became a leader, the natural tendency of of leaders when we start is push your reps to make more calls. Right. If they make more calls, they're going to be more successful. Sure. However, I had multiple reps that would make the dials and weren't seeing the results. And over the course of my decade running sales development organizations, I can tell you that uh, I've learned that there are two primary reasons that someone with skills fails. So, so someone who is actually, they've got all the, the right fundamentals to be good at selling. Yep. They have the right fundamentals, but they still fail. Okay. And those two reasons are first, effort. Okay. And right. second, organization. So first with the effort, obviously, if you're spending four hours of the workday playing Call of Duty, you're not going to be successful. 
it's not possible at sales at sales, right? Like you, you need to, you'll be great. You'll be very successful at call of duty. Very good. Yes. Call of duty. You're going to be, you're going to be wrecking it. Right. But, but as far as like your earnings, they will be affected. Um, if you're spending 20 hours of your 40 hour work week playing call of duty, right? Right. The effort has to be there. Right. But it's not just the effort to make phone calls. And I tell my leaders this all the time. If your solution to someone failing is to yell at them and say, make more calls, you're probably not a good fit for a leader, right? Now, if the effort's there, so assuming that you're trying hard, Mm -hmm. you're putting your best foot forward to be successful. The other reason that people fail is organization, okay? And this is what I discovered. I had a rep when I first uh, became a leader that was a machine. He didn't leave his cubicle. He dialed like a maniac Mm -hmm. and he couldn't hit numbers. So I sat down with him. I, had, I, I sat down and I said, listen, I'm going to sit with you for two straight days and watch you work. And this is where I discovered that the issue, <laughs> he had over 2000 leads and contacts in his pipeline. So he was making upwards of a hundred dials a day or more. Okay. Right? Which is, which is good. It's good. Yeah. Um, when, when you don't have a dialer, we didn't have a dialer, it was click to dial. So that's a fantastic number. Right. And the problem was he would start at A and work his way to Z every single day. So he did his A's on Monday, his B's on Tuesday, and he wasn't getting back to the A's for 20 days. Okay. So he would, so he would have a, a large enough list where yep. he's getting through a hundred dials. He's touching all of these, these leads. Yep. He's getting through them. Yep. And then it's 20 days later, he gets back up to the top. Correct. And I tell people all the time, it's not about the number of dials you make in a day. It's about the number of times you call Rusty Jensen because analytics show he is unlikely to respond until between steps six and nine in your reach outs. Right. But if you go more than three days without a reach out, it's the same as starting over. So for his pipeline, he actually never got to step six or nine with anyone in his pipeline ever. He had to get lucky enough for them to be sitting in their desk and happen to be free so that they could answer the phone, right? And anybody that makes dials knows this, right? You're not going to get a lot of answers. However, you're going to get a lot of email responses as a result of leaving a voicemail, right? And usually it takes those six to nine steps to get a response. So that's right. why that's why he was failing. There was no organization to what he's doing. So because because when you're when you're trying to reach out to someone and you're trying to get a hold of them, they have to see you everywhere. Hundred like percent. You have to establish a presence. Yep. It's not just like a random by chance you connect to someone. Yep. And so instead of so what you're saying is instead of connecting to anyone on the list, what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect to this particular person. It's, I'm looking for the Rusty Jensen of the organization. And I need to talk to that person versus anyone who may answer. And let me tell you this, Rusty, in the decade I've ran sales organizations, people have obviously tried to sell to me. I cannot recall one experience that I can recall off the top of my head where I received more than one voicemail from a seller. You're going to need to figure out the formula for how many contacts and leads that you have in your pipeline that you should be working at any given time. And when I get asked that question, how many should I have? My response is two questions. First, how many calls do you make in a day? If you tell me you make 50, let's, let's, let's assume that you make 50. The next question I ask is 
how often do you call your leads? And they'll say, oh, my sequence or my cadence, it tells me that I should call them every three days, mm-hmm. right? Which is pretty typical for sequences these days. So that would mean the most you could have in your pipeline is 150 leads, right? You got to do the math. Day one, 50 calls. Day two, 50 calls. Day three, 50 calls. On day four, you're calling the same people you called on day one. Now, there is some fallout, right? You have about 8% fallout per day. So about 8% of your total leads that you call that day are going to fall out of your pipeline. And you need to add those 8% back in every day. That's what makes a pipeline circular rather, rather than linear. We can talk about that at a later time. But essentially, that mathematical formula is what's going to tell you how many leads or contacts you should be working. And this is where we get to this fallacy. Yep. This is where high-octane, high-performing, motivated people start to panic, which is it's a numbers game, right? I learned that in my accounting class. It's numbers, right? This plus this equals that. But they start to panic because they say, well, I can't make enough calls if I don't have enough leads. So like there's this constant, you know, fever around for, for motivated people, right? Mm-hmm. Some people don't have the fever, but, but there's a fever around, I need activity and I need more leads. But what you're saying is that more leads that come into the system that can actually break your productivity. Because if you're getting through those leads and it's 22 days when you need to surround this person and they need to see you everywhere, Right. Because because you said it, I haven't done that either. I haven't responded to someone that I hadn't previously seen multiple times Mm -hmm. because, you know, they have to get me to focus. But of course, I forget them, you know, 20 days later. You know, I'm not going to reply to some random, you know, hey, the first sales email I get, I I always assume it's a marketing email. Yeah. Or some automation, right? Yeah. Some automation. So it's not a real person trying to contact me. Right. But if I've received two, three, four voicemails that reference an email, and the email reference of voicemail. Now I'm like, oh, this is a real person. I've heard their voice multiple times now. That's interesting. So this kind of leads me back. You know, you talk about some of these young, ambitious salespeople, sales developers, and kind of their their focus on things. And it reminds me of of a young Rusty coming in <laughs> as a sales developer. I don't know. I was I was definitely kind of that you know bright eyed, bushy tailed, excited. I'm going to engage. I mean, I was in the interview process with John Notwell, who's now a CRO at, at Well Health. And I literally told him, yeah, I'm coming in. I'm going to come here to, to be an executive. He's like, <laughs> no, you're here to be a sales developer. I'm like, no, I get it. But after 10 years, I'm going to be an executive. It's like, okay, well, at least he's going to make some calls. Right? <laughs> so, you know, it puts me on the phone and I, and, and I was the kind of person where I was like, listen, it's a numbers game. I'm going to figure this out. So I remember, I don't, I don't know if you remember seeing this and it's, it's you know, envision this. So I am in front of three screens. I have literally two phones going, okay? Because I'm dialing so fast, I want two phones to go at the same time. So I have two headsets on and I actually took my cell phone and I jammed it up in between my headset so that when people would call me personally, I could just keep working an email. So I had my calling going on. I had my emails on a different screen. Of course, I was getting acclimated to software. So I was watching Star Trek on the other screen. That's not a joke. And you know, yeah, you have to embrace your nerdy side. If you're yeah. gonna sell you're software. Selling, you, you're selling software. Yeah, you're talking to IT people. You gotta you gotta relate you to them. <laughs> Don't judge me. But I remember doing this and and I remember putting out double the activity of of most people. We're doing push-ups every every 45 minutes just to kind of keep the energy up. It's funny. There's this guy sitting next to me, Dana Coates. You remember Dana Coates? 
Love Dana Coates. Oh my gosh. One of the most productive people in pipeline generation I've ever seen. Sales development channels ever. I've The guy's making best friends with, with every executive he meets. It's crazy. But when you look at him and you see him, you know, working, you're just like, how is he productive? Like, because he's, he's, he's wheeling and dealing. He's all over the place. You know, he's, he's just doing these things. And you're just like, very complex equation to be able to figure out what he's doing. My equation is simple. More calls, more output. Yet this guy, probably from an activity standpoint, what would you say? Probably half what yeah. I was doing. Yeah, it's not, like he, it's not like he was not putting an effort. He was. Right, but like compared to yep. like me with my yep. NASA screens, mm-hmm. okay, beating me by 30, 40% every month. Yep. And of course, I'm top five every month. So I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm just like, how is this possible? So of course, I want to figure this out. What's this equation? Just watching him, scanning him, see what's going on. They're trying, can't decipher this. Yep. It's, like a, it's like a bomb's going off. How do we do this? And eventually we did crack the code on this because you do want to look at top performers and see, well, how are you so good? Yep. But he was naturally doing something that was very powerful, but we eventually cracked the code. And Ron, I, I would say that you cracked the code the best because yeah, well, we were able to get it into process. Yeah, like you, I was blown away. I mean, when I first started in sales development, he was he was assigned as my buddy to yeah. like help me. Like, okay. hey, this guy's going to help you. And I walked into his area of his cubicle. He had sunflower seeds all over the floor. He was like, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Desk was a mess. I'm like, who is this guy? What am I getting into here? And I learned very quickly something very unique about Dana. He never missed talking to someone that he wanted to talk to. Hmm. And the reason why is this guy would come at them from every angle, right? He talked to every person that he set a goal to talk to in an organization. And oftentimes it meant multiple phone calls a day to that person. It meant voicemails. It meant stuff that was a little bit above what what I felt comfortable doing, but he figured it out. First and foremost, there's two aspects to this code that Dana figured out. Okay. The first is... I'm not going through this long list of people that I'm calling one time and then doing email only sequences or cadences and calling once every 20 days, right? First and foremost, he knew that you have to put a lot of effort towards an individual, right? It's not about the number of calls you make in a day. It's about the number of times you call Rusty Jensen, right? He needs to know you're trying to call multiple times. That's the first element. The second element to Dana is he knew who to call. He knew how to create a list of people that was the right people to talk to about what we were selling. Yeah, definitely. All the time I go through, I, we do something at my organization at Conga called Pipeline One-on-Ones, right? Mm-hmm. And I've done that at previous organizations as well. But all, oftentimes I'll go through people's pipeline and I'm blown away by how often I find out this person doesn't even work at the company you're targeting anymore. You're right. Um, it's, they haven't worked there for two years, you know, but you've put all this activity towards this person that was literally a waste of time because mm. it was not a good person. So, I mean, you can't get analysis paralysis. There are people that focus so much it's on much. making a clean list that they never make a phone call. Yep. You do need to have a combination of both. And that's what Dana figured out. He figured out that you can make a lot of phone calls in a day. But make sure that you're calling that same person multiple times, leaving multiple voicemails, multiple emails, and it's the right person to talk to. Well, and and for those sales leaders out there, I want to make a a very strong comment about this as well, because a lot of times the approach of a sales leader 
in this kind of scenario is to try to go find the Dana Coates, hire the right people. But as a sales leader, what you need to be able to do is to be able to decode the Dana Coates Mm -hmm. and be able to say, I know how to figure out how he is being successful and how we can break that into a process that we can teach and make repeatable. You'll never get people to that level through process, but you'll get everybody 60, 70, 80% of the way there. And that's plenty. Yep. And, but, but you have to be able to teach people how to be organized and how to be effective and use that math and that science and that process. And then also help gear down some of your high octane producers, yep. back them down a bit so that they can focus on getting organized as well as executing. And when you go to hire people, look for that ability. Yep. They need to have both the ability to communicate and the ability to follow an, an execute process because you're not going to find those diamonds in the rough that often. Yep. And, and you're going to churn through so many people. I've seen organizations, they just burn through people because they don't know how to deliver process. There are organizations with 50 plus percent attrition. They're just burning people yep. out. Over the last five years or so, what has your attrition rate been? Um, Forced attrition. Not high. Not high. I, I, don't, I, mean, I talking- can't recall an exact percentage, but there was like a three-year gap before COVID that we had lost people to termination or people quitting at like a 5% clip. It was super, super low. I mean, we did lose more to promotion, but I don't count that as attrition, right? Like, I would say there's people listening to this podcast are shocked by that. Yeah, definitely. But but it's not to me. To me, Mm -hmm. it's not shocking because when you figure out the process, you hire the right people, you build the right kind of programs and you're not relying on finding this magic person. Yep. You, you can be very successful. So I'll tell you this, Rusty, we will do, we'll do an episode later where we talk about hiring, right? And, and yes. we'll give you kind of the tips and tricks there. But let me tell you this, from a leadership perspective, when it comes to organization, you need to be able to be a doctor. You need to be able to diagnose exactly where your rep is breaking down. If you can't diagnose that, if your response is always go make more phone calls, you need to figure it out. Right. And I'm going to explain a couple basic things for you to understand. First and foremost is pipeline one on ones. Okay. Pipeline one on ones are one of the most valuable and lucrative things you can do as a leader. And basically, the way you do them is, and we're actually going to do a full podcast on one on ones at a later time. We'll talk about the different ones. So I'm going to go through this briefly. But you basically look at the leads that they have or contacts they have in the CRM that they are actively working at the given moment. You choose at random 15 to 20 of those. You look at the activity history and you make sure that the activity matches up with the cadence or sequence that they've decided to use. And what you will discover is very few people, very few people are keeping up with their own sequence or cadence. And the crazy thing is most sales development leaders or prospecting leaders, even because this is salespeople too that are prospecting, they will oftentimes let the rep choose the sequence. So like, Hey, I'm going to let you choose what cadence you want to use. Right. right? Yeah. And then the rep won't hold themselves accountable to that cadence. And that's a big aspect of what you need to do as a leader to diagnose. Okay. You're making a hundred calls a day, rusty, but you're calling Ron Halbert once every 20 days. That's a problem. He's never going to respond. That's right. And that's one point that could break down in, in in diagnosing problems, right? And we'll talk about more because we do another type of one-on-one as well that's that's valuable. But this pipeline one-on-one will show you how organized is your rep. Absolutely. And and if you think about it just from a basic 
math standpoint, right? When you think about the types of leads that some people are going after, when you get organized, just, just country math, if I have one set of leads that can keep me busy all day, that convert at 10%. So once I get through an entire cadence and I'm stocking them and you know the restraining orders come out, I'm getting a 10% conversion rate. Another group of leads converts at one and a half percent because I'm just churning and burning. Yep. Think about how much leverage that is. So organization is leverage. It's your ability to exert a smaller amount of effort to get a higher amount of force. I'm going to have to go back to the country math component of this. 10% and 2%. Let's call those lists. That is five times as effective. If I'm a sales developer and I'm prospecting and I'm doing 100 calls a day, the equivalent output against those two lists is 500 calls versus 100. You're not going to increase your activity fivefold. You're a high, you're a high octane. You're not going to increase your activity by 5x. You're not. There's a reason why there's multiple billion dollar companies whose sole purpose is to help you create a solid list. Yes. Oh, yes. And then we're going to talk about this in terms of prioritization. We're going to talk about it from organizational perspective. But absolutely, there is, and and the, and you got to get the right technology partners. You got to get the right process, which, you know, reach out to us, we'll help you, right? Yep. But you have to have that organized. You got to figure it out because you're not going to increase by fivefold. Now, this leads us to our next cliche. I always like to break down the cliches, Ron. You know that. Love it. Love it. Which is working smarter, not harder. Yep. I love it. I love part of it. Yep. Which is that if you work smarter, and I'm working on this, this 10% conversion list versus the 2%, I'm going to get five times the productivity. And then the rusty Jensen is Nassau console. He's going to lose and I'm going to beat him. Right now. Here's what I would tell you though. Smarter, not harder. I'm going to go a little diatribe here. Smarter and harder. Love it. If you're listening to this podcast, you're the kind of person who needs to embrace smarter and harder so that you can apply all that same effort, all that same energy and you can absolutely outproduce anybody. And I, and I can tell you this, when, when I started figuring this out, I started trying to figure out the balance. I started looking at things like conversion rates. Personally, I backed off my activity because I was, I was doing 120 plus calls a day manually. So I'm, I'm burning out phone cards. And so I, I backed it down to about 80, 85. Yep. That's a big drop, but I replaced that time with really effective organization. I started figuring out the science, started getting it in. And, and then my, my productivity doubled. I went from, you know, what, 10, eight to 10 opportunities to 16 to 20. Yep. Just, just once we figured that out. And then of course, when you start scaling that to the organization, look at that kind of impact. It's tremendous. But listen, when you, when you become good and you start figuring out how to become effective at your job, don't back down. No, I mean, I mean, don't burn yourself up, but, but don't back down. Take that time to learn new skills. Take that time to learn the next job. Take that time to earn more money. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about the culture of our society today is I'm always blown away when people tell me I love my job because it's easy. <laughs> right? I have friends, I have family. They tell me like, oh, it's awesome because I don't have to do anything. I can watch movies all day or I can do this, that, the other. Where is the sense of fulfillment in that? I will tell you that I have never been more fulfilled in my life and more happy and and satisfied with my existence as when I clock out after eight hours. And I'm going to say, like, we're not saying work 50, 60 hours a week, work 40, 
but work your butt off for those 40. Yes, right? right. And when I clock out after eight hours of hard work and I go upstairs to my family and I feel spent from a work perspective, I feel good. Yeah. I feel satisfied with my existence. I don't want to feel like my purpose on earth is to find ease, right? I want to find things that challenge and push me in. And everyone should want that. And if you don't want it today, it's because you haven't felt it yet. Right. Go feel that sense of fulfillment. You'll want it more. You really will. It's addictive. And I'm telling you, like, honestly, genuinely, you don't need to work 100 hours a week. You don't. You, You don't. You need to work 40 hours a week very hard. That's it. Agreed. And then have an amazing family life, have an amazing outside of work life. And, and that's what true work-life balance is, is it's putting your best foot forward in the office and then putting your best foot forward at home. I'm going to try and be the best father, the best husband, the best person, friend I can be. And when you plug that into the equation, when you're fulfilled in your work and you work hard, you know what you're doing, you're effective. You're really effective and you're progressing. And then you also take the time to have balance with your family and things are going well. You take the time to have balance in your personal life to become a better person. All of those things actually add to the equation, which is that you will be more effective because you're a happier person. You're a more complete person. That balance is important. If you add into your life a lull of wasting time, it's going to drag you down. Mm -hmm. If you add into your life too much of your work encroaching on your family, you're going to have friction. Mm -hmm. Too much encroaching on your personal things that you want to do for you, you're going to have friction. But you will be the most effective person, an individual, when you are happy, when you know what you're doing, when you're organized, when you're executing, and you're doing the things that help you to grow as a person, you will make more money, you will be successful. Now, this is hard to do, and it should be. It should be hard. You should have consistent conflict in how you figure out how to balance. But if you do it well, you'd be like Ron Albert. Have a little success. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and success is not just defined by your bank account, although not. although I love to see big numbers in there, right? But honestly and genuinely, you can find success in all aspects of your life. But I will tell you this, if you are not organized, you will have to work a hundred hours a week to hit the same amount of output as someone that is organized working 40. So there is a work smarter and a work harder. Love it. I love it. So Ron, I really appreciate the time. And this is the Sales Prescription Podcast. We love having you with us. We're going to talk a lot more about these types of things. We're going to talk about things like prioritization. We're going to talk about tech stacks. We're going to talk about all kinds of things to help you to be successful from a leadership, from an individual standpoint. But we're here to help you to be successful and to write you the prescriptions you need to win. Awesome. Thanks, Rusty. 